Oh my God, I got mom to say um, Birchwood Podcast is brought to you by Spludcast and Boys Club because they're two other podcasts. She couldn't say Spludcast. She didn't understand what that word was. She was like, Spludcast? Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so great. And she goes, I got her to say, I'm Shane's mother, and you better smash that subscribe button and listen to Birchwood Podcast. <laughs> it's so... And I added music. It's great. It's so great. <laughs> Hey, what's up, weirdos? It's Mark Splood, and I am the host of the Splood But, you know, you should probably know that already, shouldn't you? You don't know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone listens to my show. What's the point of even doing a commercial? Well, listen, just in case there's one poor bastard out there who doesn't know about it, it's the best damn podcast in the world, and you can find it every Thursday on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your shit. Get my shit. It's called the Splood Check it out. Download it. Sit down on your ass, crack a Dosecchi's, fire up your favorite sativa, and driver right the fuck into you. Boys Club. Is it called Boys Club because my apartment looks like a boy lives in it? I wouldn't say a boy lives in it. I would say a boy is kidnapped somewhere in here. Boys Club. We're everything. We're true crime. We're, we're world true. star hip hop. world star hip hop. We're Netflix reviews. Stories of the day. Boys Club. Listen. Yeah, do it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I think. Uh, no, we're not. And on Google Play. Nobody gives a shit. Boys Club. Boys Club podcast. Now with 90% more sound clips of black people. Boys Club. Touch me and I'll soup. I wanted this podcast to be so good. And and it is. It's a great conversation with my sister. I had a great intro recorded. I thought it was good, but I re-listened to it. I didn't like it at all. I wanted to change everything. And I know that I'm not perfect from these experiences, recording these things, putting it out there. Um, yeah, it's really been an experience. But I've been enjoying it so much. I've been talking to a lot of people. I've been talking to people in my life and new people that I've never met and people that I've known my whole life. And um, I, know, I know my sister. I've known my sister my whole life. I have two sisters. And I hope that I can get Wendy on the podcast. But today, I'm talking to Brenda. And this was an amazing opportunity for me not only to learn more about myself but to learn more about my sister it is the sister episode of mother's day if that makes sense it's uh yeah kind of a continuation of shane's origin story and um there's a lot of great things i could say about my sister brenda 
she's hilarious. She's been an inspiration to me on how to navigate life. Um, the Charltons have always dealt with life with humor. And they're known for being funny and having fun. And their lives have not always been easy. And they've really overcome a lot of adversity. And they're a great example to me and to a lot of people on how to be good people. I love my sister. And she's always been there for me. Through thick and thin, in good times and in bad. And this episode is emotional, funny, and fun, and sad at times, and just a great talk with my sis. Anyway, I just wanted to quickly say I did get some emails, which is great. Um, so here we go. I got an email from my sister, Wendy. Hey, Shane, just wanted to let you know I'm listening from Calgary. Ha ha. Love you, Wendy. XO. That's my sister, Wendy. She's going to be visiting me in June. I'm really looking forward to her visit and I'm hoping that we can sit down and record a podcast. I haven't asked her yet. She might hear this and go, Oh my God, I'm not going to do that, but I doubt it. She might, she'll probably do that. That'll be fun to talk to her. Whether or not we record it, I don't know. But um, thanks for writing in, Wendy. And I I love that you wrote in. So thank you. Um, and this, there's one from my buddy Trevor Moxworthy. And he just basically says, Hi, long-time listener, long-time friend. Trevor Moxworthy, your comedy son. And uh, <laughs> that's very flattering that he would think of himself as my son. He's like kind of always calling me his comedy dad. And uh, Trevor has given a lot of stage time to a lot of comedians. And uh, anyway, he writes that he wants to know my top five hip-hop artists of all time and my top five comedians of all time. I'm not going to put them in any order, Trevor, but I'll, I'll give it my best shot. A lot of people might argue with my picks. You're asking me to create like a Mount Rushmore of hip-hop artists and comedians. I'm just going to tell you my faves, okay? Like, okay. So I'm going to start with the top five hip-hop artists. This is for Trevor and for any of my listeners who might be hip-hop fans or comedy fans. These are Shane's picks. The top five hip-hop artists include Marshall Mathers. How can you not say that Eminem's one of the greatest rappers of all time? He's my favorite. Um, Jay-Z. I YouTubed... Um, Jay-Z Black Album, Behind the Scenes. That guy's incredible, man. He doesn't even write anything down. Um, just so stylish and such a great writer and so, so melodic. I love Jay-Z. So uh, I'd say Eminem, Jay-Z, who else? I love KRS-One, man, the teacher. Uh, he has a song about, it's called Disaster Kit. And it's about how to survive a natural disaster. He's like rapping like get some hard boots, have some waterproof matches and know how to filter water and add five drops of unscented liquid bleach into every gallon of water. And you'll need nine gallons to survive a week, whatever the 
numbers are. I'm probably fucking it all up, but he uh, raps about these uh, really intense subjects, and um, but still like makes it funky and fun and and uh, really sing songy. I, I just love KRS One. He's one of the greatest, one of the fathers of hip hop, one of the oldest uh, guys in the game, but still somehow keeping it fresh. Um, one half of Boogie Down Productions, of course, is DJ Scott LaRock got shot in the, uh, at a show. And then he went solo after that. I guess, what, what do you do when your DJ gets shot? You could form a new group, but he chose to go solo, known as KRS-One. Uh, just love him. And you can uh, hear, most, like he kind of does this autobiography in one song called Just Like That. So look up just like that, Karis One. I think you'll enjoy his story. Uh, who else is great in hip hop? Okay, so I did uh, Eminem, Jay Z, Karis One. Who's the best? Who's who's one of the greats when it comes to hip hop? Busta Rhymes, very quick, very strong presence, commands a stage. I mean, so much fun. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg's got to be up there, right? I mean, very melodic, very uh, good rapper, just can rhyme the shit out of a vocal booth, unbelievable, and funny, like Snoop's the total package, Kendrick is the total package in a different way, maybe not as funny as Snoop, but definitely an artist, and he cares about it, and you could tell he's passionate in his performance, love Kendrick Lamar. That, so let's stop there. I mean, let's put a pin in the hip-hop thing and switch over to comedy. Uh, my favorite, the reason reason I started comedy was George Carlin. I found that he could rap, or rap, <laughs> he could rap. He could talk about um, any subject and make people laugh, and that's why I started comedy. Listening, I listened to his album, Back in Town. I just walked into a record store in Calgary and bought it, and... Didn't even know who he was. I just looked up the comedy section and picked a CD at random, and it was George Carlin back in town. Can you believe my luck? Just pure comedy gold. Or he could make you laugh about any subject, even if it was controversial, and then also tell fart jokes. So he's my absolute favorite of all time. But uh, I mentioned Richard Pryor. Did I not mention? Did I mention Richard Pryor? I mean... One of the funniest human beings to ever walk the earth was Richard Pryor. Um, Doug Stanhope, one of the best writers of all time, a comics comic. Comedians love Doug Stanhope, and there's a reason, man. He's one of the greats. Just one of my favorites, for sure, is Doug Stanhope. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, living legend. Um... And who else? Who else is unbelievably good? Dave Attell. Nobody work, can work a crowd like Dave Attell. Chris Rock. Just a great writer and uh, uh, kind of a comedy icon for sure. Not kind of. You can take that out of the sentence. So those are my favorites, Trevor. I, I hope everybody uh, thinks about their favorite things. And a top five list, that's, uh, maybe I didn't stick to five and maybe I didn't say which one was better than the other, but, uh, yeah, that's generally 
Those are generally my top picks. If you want to email me, please do. It's birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking up my, uh, if you're thinking about my comedy shows, uh, yeah, it is Friday, April 5th. And I am in Halifax right now. Tonight at 8 o'clock, I'm going to be doing a show. Uh, It's so much fun to be back on stage. I'm so happy to be doing comedy shows again. Had a great time tonight. Um, I mean, last night. I did I did shows last night as well. Um, just had so much fun. Again, I was at uh, Yuck Yucks, and then afterwards I went to the, oh, what do they call it? The High Life Social Club, and did a show there. Had a great time. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Rick for having me there. And the night before, I was at Beerley's with Catherine Robertson. So, anyway, tonight, Friday, April 5th, and tomorrow, Saturday, April 6th, I'm at Yuck Yucks in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. If you happen to be here, please come down and see me. And if you're looking for any of my upcoming shows, just check out uh, Shane Ogden Comedian on Facebook, and you'll find it, along with the podcast and all of my dates, all of my shows, all of my comedy-related stuff, you can find Shane Ogden Comedian. And if you want to email the podcast, birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com, and I will be happy to read any letter you send me in the email format. Um, Yeah, this has been so much fun recording podcasts. I love what I'm doing right now. I'm having such a great time in my life. It's been Um, just the last little while, really enjoying myself. I know that soon I'll have to get back to my day job of being an electrician. But for now, living the dream, doing the shows on the road, getting getting acquainted with all the comedians I haven't met and reacquainted with all the comedians I'm meeting along the way. Some great podcasts coming up. I do an interview with Catherine Robertson, who runs Beerly's House of Blues Comedy in Halifax. I also do an interview with Peter White and Jason Allen, who are these amazing comedians that just uh, performed at my club, Chuckles Comedy Club. You can check out all the Chuckles Comedy Club related stuff at chucklescomedyclub.ca. Lots of great shows coming up. We got Dave Merhage, who just won a Juno for his comedy, and he also has a Netflix special and Comedians of the World on Netflix. Dave Merhage is going to be performing at Chuckles in June. For all the upcoming shows, check out chucklescomedyclub.ca. And without further ado, here is the episode with my sister, Brenda Charlton. Enjoy. So I'm here with my sister, Brenda, and her husband, Daryl, who, well, you guys raised me, kind of. Yeah, we kind of did. Yeah, because I was here a lot, escaping from my stepfather's wrath. Yes, you were. And uh, <laughs> we tried. To I remember when I was there. little, Daryl let me watch the Terminator. Huh. It was a different time. Kids were raised way different back then. Yes. We have we have a lot of character. Mm. For, you, for better or worse, though, we were different, weren't we, than kids now? Like oh. you'd never sit down and watch the Terminator with Ella. No, and I was older than Ella, though, wasn't I? Uh, well, we were married when you were only six years old. But, no, sorry, you were seven. You had just turned, but, I turned seven. But to be fair, robots are cool. 
and I I loved it. Like it didn't. I don't think it traumatized me or anything. But well, we protect our kids from a lot more than we ever did back then, too. Mm-hmm. Like I mean. But was that good or bad? Who knows? Thanks to Daryl, you had your first beer right here in this living room. I didn't know. I didn't know that. What? When was that? What? Yeah. How I year? don't even want to talk about Same how old you were. <laughs> the same year you watched Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I had to be at least twelve. I had to be. No, you were. I. You were at least twelve, maybe a little bit older. Do you remember? Because you and. Paul, did, I, did I even get through and, the beer? You and Paul were here together and you shared it. Well, I think Paul probably had a taste for beer more than I did. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. His dad probably did. I remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. You took. You guys were sharing the, this beer and you took a big drink and then all of a sudden it came right up and it wasn't throw up. It was like you couldn't swallow it came back out again. Like foam or something. You were just a bad drinker. I mean, it yeah. was your first time. Couldn't hold so. my liquor. Yeah, it was your first time. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even remember that, actually. Like, that you brought that up. I didn't remember having my first beer here. <laughs> I didn't remember. Actually, my first beer I talked to Mom about was when our dad uh, gave me a sip of beer, and I spit it out. And I can rem- that's one of my only memories of our father was me sitting on his knee in Newcastle Creek at the fire pit. Remember there's a fire pit across from yeah, the yeah, yeah. doorstep? I was sitting on his knee. It was a short, stubby beer. I remember seeing his checkered shirt, button-up shirt, and his DeMaurier cigarettes in his breast pocket. And me spitting out the beer immediately. And I remember Mom yelling, Donnie! And that's I remember that like it was gospel. I'm sure he caught hell that night. Well, I don't know if he did or he didn't. Mom says she doesn't remember. So uh, it's kind of why I was coming here tonight to talk to you is because there's so many things that people have different memories. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if mom is like filling in some blanks mm. or if I did. Because when like starting right away with when he died, all I remember was finding him on the kitchen floor. But mom says I was with her the whole time during the whole event. And he came down the stairs. He said, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, and then fell on the ground. But I don't remember any of that. All I remember is me reaching for a cereal bowl and seeing him on the ground already with his eyes open. But I don't know what's true. Like, this is all what mom says happened, and I have to believe that, because she was the only one there besides me. She's got a pretty good memory. She does have a good memory, but I don't know. Did she tell you the part about sending you to get Grampy? No, but I do remember that. I remember running across the street. Yeah, she went across, and Grampy wasn't there, and you asked Grammy where Grampy was. And he was up in that garden, remember? He had a garden right out Mom's back door. He had a garden there. And she could see out the window from the kitchen that you were sitting on the ground beside Grampy, who was sitting beside you, having this big discussion. Grampy told me what you said to him was, because Mom said to you, go tell your grandfather... That your father's unconscious. You were six. You had just turned six. Like a week. 
before that or something like that. Two weeks or no, maybe a little bit longer. Than so that. I was five and seven eighths. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Grampy told me later that you said, went to him and said, Grampy, what does it mean to be unconscious? So he sits down. He's giving you the lowdown on what this word means. Doesn't have a clue why you're asking him that. Wow. So if anybody ever, if a child ever comes and asks you what a word like that means, probably the first thing you should say is, oh, why do you ask? Right. <laughs> that was before they wrote the textbook on what to do in that situation, I guess. Anyway, mom wow. ended up, didn't want to leave dad, but she was trying to give him mouth to mouth and whatever. Yeah, because she didn't know it was wrong. It turned out it was a brain aneurysm. Yeah. Right. But anyway, she hollered out the door to Grampy and then, or, and called 911 and whatever. That's yeah. what I was told. I was out the lake having a wonderful day with my boyfriend and a couple of other friends. Oh, wow. Not this boyfriend. Yes. Oh, this boyfriend. Yes. Your now husband, Daryl. Yeah, okay. Right. Wow. She wasn't allowed to have any other boyfriends. That was it. You were the one, eh? <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, you were pretty young when you got together with Daryl. Uh, 17. Yeah. So how many years have you been married? It'll be 36 in September. Yeah. Wow. There's not too many people like you guys. That maybe, I, maybe that's a good thing for the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, mom said it was a hard time for her because she had to go back to work. And I imagine you were keeping me more often after that, were you? Well, I kept you a fair bit anyway. Yeah. Because I was still living at home then. Um, mom took. I know she was off for more than two weeks, and I can remember Grampy pressuring her to go back to work, and she was so devastated. She really just didn't know what to do. Mm. Today, people could get uh, go leave work on stress leave, but back then, there was no such thing as that. You just toughened, toughened it out, right? Wow. And she did go back to work, and when... This, and, we're talking 1982. Yeah. This is when this was. Yeah. So you would have been, what What age were you? I was 20. So you're 20 years old and you find out your father just died. And you've got a little brother who's just turning six. Had just turned six. You turned six in June and he died. It was like, I guess he died July. And our mother's a broken woman at this point. 11th or 12th, July 12th. Well, yeah, she, she... Was devastated. Yes. And as you were, and as Wendy was, right? Was Wendy in, in Calgary then? Yes, her and Ernie were married then. Yeah. yeah. So, I know this is... It might be a weird time to bring this up, but Mom decided she was going to start smoking then, after Dad died. Cool. Smoking, she... Figured if he was going to die and he smoked and he was in terrible shape, maybe that was a good thing for her to take up, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why she started smoking, but I come home and Hey, she, get, give her a break. Her husband just the, died, man. She's got the DeMaurier cigarettes. Well, I smoked at the time. I didn't know you Somewhat. ever smoked. I didn't know you ever smoked. Well, I, it wasn't, I wasn't a true smoker, but I would smoke. smoke around me. No. 
uh, at England. No, and you Mom didn't even know. Did not you knew when I when I was. You might, couldn't have been a hardcore I, smoker though. No, I wasn't a hardcore smoker. But anyway, but I knew enough about smoking that I could not watch my mother smoke because she did not know how to smoke. <laughs> she and didn't look cool doing like, it either. It looked like a clown. <laughs> if you can imagine Lucille Ball smoking, that's what it kind of reminded me. <laughs> anyway, so when she went back to work, as always, when mom and dad were working, when you, well, you started school. And I couldn't stay home from work on your first day of school. This was you starting school right, like, Dad died in July. In September, you were starting school, grade one. They didn't have kindergarten. Well, the kindergarten was in the daycare back then. Anyway, and Mom, she left you with Grampy and Grammy, and Grampy was to get you on the bus. <laughs> and he, so... You he you he missed the bus, so he's out there. You missed the bus, and he sees some cousin, three times third cousin, three times removed, or something. That was Philip Gaynor. Yes, driving by with his daughter to take her to school. My cousin Catherine Gaynor. Right, driving her the father driving the daughter to school on the first day of school as it should have been as far as I But these aren't people that we really associated with. You never saw them before in your life. <laughs> Grampy puts you in the car with this stranger and sends you <laughs> off to school. I, I was safer here having beers watching Terminator. No, nice you weren't life. having beers yet. <laughs> have a nice life, he said. I was... I... I had the worst day of my life at work because oh, no. I could not. Well, uh, you know, I was 14 when you were born and I looked after like mom was in the hospital for like a month before you were born. And then at back then there was not maternity leave. She was home for a short time. Maybe. I don't know if it was she a, had to get that money coming in somehow. She if had it was a month, but. She might have been a month. I don't know what it was back then. But uh, anyway, she went back to work because you were born on the last day of school that year or something like that, or the last day of exams, maybe. Anyway, um, and she went back to work shortly after having, you know, us being done school or Maybe you, the day you came home from the hospital was the last day of school or something like that. I'm a little cloudy about that memory. But I know the last day of school was significant for some reason that year. I looked after you in the summer. I mean... All you summer? Were, oh, yeah. That was what I did. Oh, man. You must have hated that, Daryl. I can remember. You and, must have always had to have me in tow pretty well. well. He had I mean, to work. Oh, you were working at the time. What were you doing? No, no, he was. We weren't together then. I was oh. fourteen when you were born. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going ahead in the story too far here. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I could not imagine that I would ever love a kid any more than I ever loved you till I had my own kids, and then sorry, you had your second fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> I took you everywhere. I did everything, and I remember I took you to the bowling alley with me one time, and my and by this time, I'm in grade 
eight or nine when I, and I, you were bigger then. It wasn't when you were a real infant. So it was probably the following summer or something. And I took you into the bowling alley and I saw my grade six teacher was in there bowling. She would not believe you were not my own kid. Would not believe you were my brother. She thought for sure that. I guess I was a floozy. And I, had a and yeah, I was 14. 14, yeah. <laughs> it she does happen, but wow. anyway, she wouldn't believe it. But I remembered like things like dad had, there was a fire outside. Dad had a spark flew off of the power saw or something, set the fire. You, thank goodness, were sound asleep on the in the living room in the playpen. Because, and I'm out there with a the hose calling the forestry and the fire department to come because it was spreading into the woods and everything. You slept through her all. <laughs> when was this? This was in Newcastle Creek? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it was... Mom, I couldn't believe she sent you to school that first day or that Grampy put you in the car with a strange, complete stranger to go to school. And all those things, like, I think you had a hard time, but I was planning our wedding at that point when you first started school. Well, I guess, it, yeah, that was the fall that we decided we would get married the next fall. After Dad died, Mom, I said, Mom, pick me up one day at work, and I said, Mom, I got something to tell you. Because we were engaged before that. And I said, Mom, I got something to tell you, and she said, you're getting married in the fall. I I guess that was in the summer. I said, no, I'm not getting married this fall. I'm not going to do that to you, but I'm getting married next fall. But. Why did you choose to tell her that at that moment? You just felt like. No, it wasn't. She was relying day. on you a lot and you needed to tell her that, okay, now I'm going to start my own family. Or why did you feel like you had to tell her? Why was that significant? Uh, so she could get man hunting. No. She already had her man. I. She was already engaged to you. No. I mean your mother. Oh, the mother. No. It was the, that summer. I, I would do, I mean, I guess you just tell your mother when you're going to get married. Oh, it wasn't. It was just, just so you know. No, but I didn't, I, I guess I did feel like I couldn't stand to live there any longer. But when I remember when I left and when we got married and I moved out, I remember feeling so guilty that I didn't bring you with me. Did you feel like mom missed some things? I guess, maybe? you know what? Well, I guess it was more after maybe it was at, because she was dating Alan by then. Yeah. And so, uh, You know, she was really uh, wrapped up in that. Yeah. And that happens. You know. You I know. see that all the time with a lot of people. They get more interested in their spouse and some of the babies get forgotten. I've seen yeah. that before. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, it's not like she forgot me, but kind of. There was no, a lot of things when I was growing up that I remember where I'd just be like, okay, like I'm going skateboard until midnight with 17 people from St. John and... I'll be back, like, probably three in the morning. She's like, no, it's okay. Like, things like that that were just... I had this complete freedom in one sense, but in another sense, 
Alan was really, really strict. So as long as I had the wood piled or the lawn mowed, I wouldn't be, you know, uh, well, I wouldn't be in trouble. And otherwise, it was almost like I had complete freedom. Once I get past a certain age, like when I was young, young, I wasn't allowed to drive my bicycle anywhere except the yard. Well, you can imagine how fr uh, bike-friendly a lawn can be <laughs> sinking down. Into it sucked me. I thought driving a bike was really hard. It's not when you get on the road. No. Well, it, <laughs> you know, Mitchell never learned to drive a bike. Well, it's... It's at, Alan come along and, you know, certain things he was really, really, I felt mean. But then other things he was like, oh, for Christ's sakes, Pat, let him drive his bike on the road. Just stay away from cars. You know, like kind of put his foot down with her. Yeah. And that kind of encouraged a little bit of freedom in other ways. And I guess once mom got used to me being all right, she was okay with me having those freedoms. But in other ways, Alan took away a lot of freedoms too. Oh yeah. It was like uh it bothered us so bad. It was a hard time in that sense. And really that all came to a head when I was eighteen and I moved to Calgary because I was like, Okay, old man, I've had enough of your shit. You don't know anything. I know everything. <laughs> you know, and I'm going away in the world, right? And I did. I left for a long time, but you know, then I found out that the world wasn't all that easy. And then I do remember nice things he did for me. Like he'd holler at me about skateboarding. Thought I was going to get hurt. You're going to arse around and break your leg on that goddamn thing. Well, we'll come and then, but he was the first guy to fix it for me if it I needed a bearing or something, you know. Yeah. So like I remember both sides of it, and it wasn't easy, and it was abuse. And I confronted him later when I came home. And I mean, this is almost ten years later. I think it was twenty six year old years old. And I confronted him in the garage one day and I said, listen, uh, I know you and I haven't always seen eye to eye and that I was a mouthy kid and that I wasn't easy to raise. I said, but what you did to me wasn't right. And I said, and it was abuse and it really hurt me. I said, but I do remember that you, I know that you were raised by a mean man. And I said, I know you did the best you could for me. And, and I love you and I want you to know that I forgive you. And he cried. Like he broke down and cried. And ever since then, now he never, he can't articulate. Like he can't have this conversation. No. Back and forth, right? He was just like, well, that's good, you know. And yeah. He never was able to. No. And, and neither one of my parents were able to, like, love. Like mom will not initiate a hug with me to this day. But I'm I, pretty impressed with you hugging her because I. I lay it I on thick. Many I had too many of those. <laughs> well, you make me look bad when you hug her when you're here, so I wish you'd cut it out. <laughs> hey, Ella, do you want some light, honey? I do. Right there. So, yeah, no, I, I um, it, it was, it was hard, but like, and I hear that same thing echoed from Wendy. Like, she always felt bad that I was there with mom and Alan and, and growing up in that environment and, like something else could have been better. But really, I just, that was just how it was. It was, but there was, we did, Wendy and I, once we found out some of the stuff that was going on, once we realized. Yeah. Uh, it, like, 
the first little clue I had was one time you were, I used to have plants all along there, and you were walking by, and the plant was coming out like that, and it went on the corner of your neck, and it, and it, it was like it was caught on you, and I was afraid the plant was going to come off. And I hollered, and I went, oh, Shane! And you were like, like that, as Put if I was going to hit, yeah. Right? And I was, I was like, why would he ever do that? You mm. know, I was like, what is going on? So, after we sort of uh, questioned you a little bit and all that stuff. You found out some more information. And, right? and... Uh, we talked to you about actually leaving then and going to live with Wendy or going to live somewhere else. You didn't want to leave mom. Really? And I don't know if I'm getting early onset Alzheimer's or why these gaps exist in my head. Is it because I'm suffering from the same thing that maybe mom might be, which is creating this alternate reality? Filling in the gap just to cope? Or why am I blocking some of that out? Because I don't remember saying I didn't want to leave mom. I don't remember saying that. But but your childhood would have been fairly traumatic. Yeah. And and lots of times trauma in order to deal with it is blocked out. Yeah. You you know, you your It was very visible in mom, that. wasn't it? It was very visible with mom. Cuz she was like, "Oh, it's okay." And you knew it was a nightmare everywhere around her. At, at certain points. Yeah. Um, and mom would just be, oh, it's a new day. And just mm. sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, just, I mean, I I laugh, kind of, but, you know, it's kind of serious, you know. But, I mean, it's just been that way for so long that I think it just, now it's almost, everybody's kind of, well, that happened. <laughs> you can't you can't change what happened so no, that's right <laughs> yeah but um but so i just kind of uh piecing stuff together is has been interesting you know and and asking mom what happened and i mean she talked about the women's institute going around the world and eating catfish in arkansas and like <laughs> how she took fertility drugs to have me yeah blew my mind like, I was like, what? You did what? I always thought all these years I was just a surprise. Oh, no, you were no surprise. No, no. Mom was in the hospital for a long time and everything to figure out what was wrong with her, why she... I Couldn't hatch if, an egg. I don't know if it was... Because she always claimed that she had some miscarriages. So I don't know if she was having problems carrying and child after me or why <laughs> I mean I don't know why she felt she had to have more after I she I, had me I know she I, had everything there could be there I know you were perfect <laughs> yeah but uh, I can remember because I remember her being in the hospital and there was a, a well back then I mean really when you say it to me back then, was like 75 or whatever was long enough ago that if there was someone who was intellectually challenged mm -hmm. um, they would 
um, sterilize them or, you know, like the really? females would, once they got to be a certain age, they would tie their tubes. Without their consent or knowledge? Well, maybe. their parents would consent. To okay. It. it would be their parents, yeah. their guardians or whatever would would consult with their doctors. I don't know what the, I was too, I wasn't, there, there was no internet. So for me, I didn't know, but I remember this little girl, well, no, she wasn't a little girl. She was a woman, right. but because of her, her mental age, she seemed like a little girl, right? And I remember, you know, like they would shave everything. Yeah. And I remember her, um, coming in, she was in, mom was in a ward, there were four beds in there, and she was in one of those beds, and she came in and she lifted her nightie up, she went, look, look, they, they shaved it all, or something like that, <laughs> whenever she God, was that that's mom, so crazy. That. <laughs> I'll never forget that, I mean, you know, oh my God, my <laughs> how horrifying would that be? But I mean, did mom laugh or were you were there with mom? When oh, well, I think a nurse or somebody wow. came and just sort of scooted her yeah. away and, and that sort of thing. And why would she be in the same room? Like that was just, well, it was all to do with obstetrics, right? Like it was all gynecological problems. Right. So they would be in the same ward. Cause they're all kind of trying to either help people have babies or help people not have babies or. It all had to do with babies, right? Like, yeah. mom was in there. I I really guess I never really knew what exactly, but it had something to do with whether or not she could have a baby or whether, like, they were doing... So... I, like, I don't know. Who, like, who wanted me? Was it mom or was it dad? Well, I just assumed they both did. Yeah, you never really got into it with them. Like, um, why was it so important... For her to have all these well, fertility drugs and all, you know. Well, I mean, I know that they wanted more than just Wendy and I, but I think Dad really wanted a boy. And I think yeah. he just lucked out that you were a boy. I mean, back then, there was no way I don't think of You couldn't steer it that way then? No. No. I don't know if you can today. I don't know that much, but... Mm. I think they're going to be able to soon, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they already do. Certainly in 75 or whatever wasn't... You got what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's crazy. It's it's so just unreal for me to hear this stuff. It's it's almost like I wasn't hearing it before or I wasn't retaining the information. Well, some of it you wouldn't know because you don't talk about that sort of stuff, right? You just No, it was only with wanting to do the podcast that I was like, okay. What am I going to talk about? Like, I have to do something. So, like, I went up to Moncton and I opened for James Mullinger and I recorded an interview with him. And um, and that was really cool because I, like, literally asked him, why haven't you asked me before? Yeah. And, you know, it was, like, really um, a personal, intense uh, interview. And we walked away even closer and, and friends, you know. So it's really, really neat having these conversations with people that are around you, like, I wouldn't have had them otherwise. So, like, lately it's been very emotional. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you when you actually talk to somebody, I mean, you don't... You go to somebody's house, you watch the news, you, you know, how's this going? Good. What are you working? That's it. And you walk away. But you don't really have conversations with people. 
Or you th you might talk about world affairs or whatever's going on in the family, or you make yeah. fun of somebody. But I, that's what I found with interviewing mom is that everything that I said to her, like I tried to steer her in like a a way that was like, okay, talk about dad. But I think like Alan was there, and maybe there was some. Like, I don't think she's weird about talking about dad. I think she did talk about it. But then she would kind of go more towards that time I went to Russia or the Women's Institute. Like, she wanted to talk more about that stuff. And when it got really personal, it was hard for her. But at the end, she went right into detail about the day that dad died. And it was... Yeah. That was really hard. I think it was well, hard for her still. Like, she well, got a very serious look on her face. Like, it... the. It, it, something changed like in in her demeanor like she was really see i think she wants to only talk about happy times and her and dad fought a lot because dad drank a lot but um you know dad was not a well man for most of his life and he smoked like he was a chain smoker wasn't he and so, and he always had, I, it wasn't, he didn't have, um, like I wonder today they call it COPD. I wonder if he had something like that. Cause he didn't, at the time, I mean, he didn't always have like lung cancer or anything, but he, and emphysema was something in his family, but I don't know that he was ever actually diagnosed with emphysema. But, but I remember he had like a wheezy always, laugh. He would cough and cough till you thought he wasn't going to take another breath. And mom, like, and they did fight a lot. And if they weren't fighting because he was drinking, they were fighting because they didn't have enough money. Right. For what she wanted. Because she was always very good at spending money. Yeah. So, you know, everybody had their problems, but... Those were just some things that were happening at the time. Like, I remember you telling me different stories about fights that would happen. Yeah. And, like, mom would, like, throw a frying pan at dad. Or did that ever happen? Or is that oh, something yeah. I dreamt no, of? No, no. I remember one time um, I came home from work. And, oh, so right after dad died, you uh, were staying at Grammy's going to Grammys to be babysat every day and you'd go there after school and then I would go over and pick you up and mom would get supper started when I got home, right? So, um, one particular day, I went over to get you in the mail and actually, no, I think you must have been with me because there was a time in the summertime, Grammy said, you know, she passed me a big wad of money and she said, I want to pay for Shane to go to the daycare with you for, I don't know if it was a month or if it was for the whole summer. She said, I think he would be much happier there. And she, this is something that Grammy Patterson did. Yes. Bertha Patterson. Yes. She gave me the big roll of money. So you were going into the daycare. That with was me. our mother's mother. Yeah. Gave you money so that I could go. So that you could go to the daycare where I was working. Anyway, oh my God, I was so proud of you when you first went to that daycare. Oh, you would, had so much to learn. It was so sad because 
it, it changes kids having to do that. So you're, it's like survival of the fittest, really. You were in there and playing with Lego and doing all this, and some other kid would come over and start tr try, w wanting to pick a fight with you, really, because you had the piece of Lego they wanted. And you'd be like, oh, here, just take it if you want it that bad. Like, I was like, oh. <laughs> what happened to me? I, I was really kid. nice back then. Why did I turn into what such a, a prick? <laughs> because how often are you going to get taken advantage of, right? Kids are going to start. Yeah. That's what happens. You're like, no, that's mine after a while because you're tired of getting shit on, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway. Um, I have memories about that. Like, yeah. you got locked out of your car one time. Was that during that time period? The, the I don't daycare remember. got broken into? That was, I mean, that's... Or was that a separate occasion? They were separate occasions. Okay. But... Little flashes of... Yeah. But anyway... Um, so this one night, we came home. You stayed at the house. I went over to get the mail. When I came back, when I got home, the table, Mom was there ahead of me, table was all set. I went to get the mail. I come back, and there was a rocking chair. Like, you know, I would come in the front door then. Yeah. And there was a rocking chair sitting right by the wood stove in the kitchen. And I went to walk into the kitchen, and Dad put his arm out like that to stop me from walking in the kitchen. And he said, don't come out here if you have, un unless you have shoes on. And when I looked, every dish that was on the table was broken all over the kitchen. Wow. They had just they been... pushed her went through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hurricane, indoor hurricane. Hurricane path. Hurricane path. She must have been mad at dad, maybe. So they, I, I wasn't there. I'm assuming that they were just throwing dishes back and forth at one another. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how mom has so many dishes left in the house, or maybe that's the reason she keeps buying them because she yeah. doesn't never knows when she's going to throw. Wow, that must have been a lot for you. Yeah, you had me in tow. You're like trying to avoid broken dishes. Well, it <laughs> infuriated me that they went on like that, and you were sitting in. And, well, I think you were watching TV in the living room, but still. Yeah. But I don't remember a damn thing about it. Trauma. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I, and then I, and I told, I remember telling Daryl, like, I was just so upset about that, that they would do that. that well, first of all, that they would do it. It's a little juvenile, mm. but with you right there. Yeah. And you're like four or five years old, however old you were. Yeah. Like, come on. And then um, another, so it wasn't too long after that. I went to, to bed. You were already in bed. And I heard, I heard them fighting again. And this was well, I think it was about maybe two weeks before. No, it was I have to have been longer than that. So maybe a month. Because, uh, and I heard them fighting down. So I get out of my bed. I'm sitting at the tops of the stairs, you know, listening to this fight that's going on in the living room. And I, mom said, you're always laying around. You're always laying around. You never do anything or whatever. And dad said, I'm sick, I'm sick. You, and 
she said, oh, you're sick, you're sick, you're always sick. And Dad said, well, you don't have to worry about it because I'll be dead before too long. I never forgot that. And when he died, I said to Daryl, well, she got her wish, didn't she? Wow. And that was just a few weeks before he died. Yes, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as soon, like it wasn't two weeks because for the two weeks before you saw, witnessed him fall, go to the floor, you guys were on vacation in PEI and I was home alone. And that whole two so, weeks. And I said to Eddie, I said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And Eddie said, you would have believed it if you'd have been with them on the island with us. He said, because your father was so sick. He really? Was so sick. And mom said, when they came home, they called me that night and she said, I'm home. And I said, well, I'm, I'm staying up here. We're going to go to the lake tomorrow and I'll... I'll come home tomorrow night because it was Sunday. I had to go to work Monday, blah, 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 right? So mom, um, mom, I remember her telling me the night they came home, they sat up and talked for a long time. They talked about things like Roy had a trailer, a wood trailer of dad's. If mom ever needed to sell it to get money and that they talked about stuff like that. And then, and uh, mom said it was the best he'd been. It was like the, this bright moment after he'd been sick for these whole two weeks. And then he seemed really good that night. Next day, he went into a coma. His mom said he woke up and said, I don't feel good to her. And then her and I came downstairs. And then he came running down the stairs and he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah. Well, see, I wasn't there for that. And then that. he fell to the ground. Yeah. And Was she Mom's said story. all that. You know, she did, she told me sort of what, all that. And, yeah. And I can remember Grampy telling me he'd never seen my father, like, without clothes on before. I mean, I think Dad probably just had his underwear on or something. I don't, you would remember. No, I wasn't there. I didn't remember. But I remember all he, I remember is his face and his eyes open. I didn't even think he was dead. I didn't know what death was. He was not well. Uh, like my, I just thought, why isn't he moving? That's weird. When the policeman like, came in, no mom said, me. "Mom said the policeman said, oh yes, there is a pulse there.' Or, or wait a minute, was it the policeman said that or the ambulance guy? Anyway, one of them said, "Oh yes, there's still a pulse. There's still yeah. a pulse there." Yeah. But because, yeah. and then they, they kept him on life support for, well, just a day, I guess. It was the next day that they, they said, we're going to do it. That we, there was a big discussion about, um, are we taking him off life support? Because at this point, if he survives, he will be a vegetable. That's what they would tell you back then, right? Yeah, it was okay to use real language back then. <laughs> No vegetables would be offended, right? Like, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> carrot wouldn't pop up and go, it's 2019, I'm very upset. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so anyway, we were like, they were going to have the committee would meet to see if it was going to be all right. Who's in this committee? I don't know, something to do with the hospital or doctors or something, and they would all meet to decide if it was going to be okay. I suppose it was some kind of an ethical committee or yeah, I don't know yeah. I don't remember 
um, excuse me, just to take them off the life support. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing I know, they're going to do a two-minute test. Because we're all sitting at the hospital and you're home with Grammy and Grampy, right? They're going to do a two-minute test to see if he'll survive the... Initial being unhooking? Off, or? Being off the, the life support for two minutes. He didn't survive the two minutes. And the next thing, I knew he was gone and I, I wasn't expecting that because... He was alive. Well, they weren't doing the test till the next day. So it felt like it was really unfair that you lost your dad that quick. You know, everybody just said, well, he'll be a vegetable anyway. Well, I didn't. I was young, and today I would not want this, but I can remember thinking, well, I don't care if he's a vegetable. I don't want him to die. I'll look after him. I mean, I had no idea I couldn't do that. Yeah, back then you were younger, you didn't know. So, really, you know, I don't know if you ever felt this way or if Wendy ever did. Because you had told me one time that I went around the house looking for Dad after that. I don't know if that was true or not true. I don't, I don't think that was true because I can remember... I can remember, I remember, so that was like a Monday night because I had to go to work that day. And then everybody's like, like, I was like waiting for the last kid to be picked up at that daycare. And everybody was, um, every, so finally somebody said, look, you go on. When I finally told somebody what was going, you go, go to the hospital yeah. and we'll lock up. So anyway, I left and went to the hospital, but it, I remember it being a Monday because I was up here on Sunday and we were at the hospital on Monday. And what was I going to tell you about that? Oh yeah. So you didn't, you were, by the time we got home from the hospital that night, you were sleeping and I think I just carried you home from Grampy's and put you in bed. I, I, I don't, I'm not clear on that. But the next day, you were really good at sleeping in. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> and the next day, Mom went to the funeral parlor to make the arrangements. And I stayed home, and I was the one to tell you that your father was dead. And I and but I and we weren't allowed to tell anybody else until Grampy came home from the bank because Grampy was withdrawing money from from mom and dad's account for them because it I don't know what the legality is and all that stuff but sometimes the bank will freeze your bank accounts until certain things are settled or whatever. I don't yep. know. So they wanted to make sure they got some cash out before... The announcement was made or... Whatever. Right, before anybody at the bank found out that he died. See, like, you knew Dad, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know Dad. And you knew 
you were very aware of everything that was happening. But for me, it's a blur. So this was much harder on you than it was on me. Well, for one thing, a, a lot of stuff was kept from you. You never, ever went to the hospital. And you and today, today, I would not have let my aunts and, uh, and mother talk me out of being in that room with my father. So you have some regrets about it. I don't have any regrets about not being allowed to the funeral and all that because... As I said, I, w I felt almost, I feel like almost I wasn't there. Well, you know what, though, Shane? I have very, like, I think you're a certain age before you'll have a lot, because there's a lot of things that happened before I was six years old that I don't remember. Yeah. I, I You know, you have bits and pieces of things that you remember, but not remember a lot of stuff from six years old now I'm, I'm a lot older than you are but still yeah um anyway when so i remember when grampy came back from the bank and he passed me the envelope of money and you came down the stairs and you were sitting about halfway up the stairs on the on like the dining room side yeah, you could still see step. you could still see me from that angle. Yeah, well, he came in the front door, and you were there, and you looked at Grampy, and you went, "My dad's dead," or "My dad died," see, or something like that. I was hilarious back then, <laughs> and and Grampy was just didn't know what like I mean you know Norman. <laughs> you made a little drum and went boom boom. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but <-dum> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? It's crazy, but I live on the way to dad's, like past dad's grave. I have to pass yeah. dad's grave to get, yeah. to get to where I live now. Yeah. And every time I go by there, I honk and I wave at his grave. Cool. <laughs> because I feel like, I don't know, somehow he knows and he's laughing. I really feel that. Oh, yeah. I know it's oh, yeah. weird because, like, I'm, I'm not a God person. Like, I don't have any spiritual beliefs or anything. But I have a weird superstition that he is laughing his arse off every time I honk the horn and wave, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll visit that grave sometimes, especially when it's not winter. Yeah. But, <laughs> he wants to go there in the winter. But I do go there often, you know, like when, yeah. when they, um, my last employer told me that, um, Whoever gave me my electrical license did me a disservice. I have no business being an electrician. I was very upset that day, as you can imagine, Yeah. when he let me go. And um, I went to that grave, and I sat by his grave, and I cried. And mm -hmm. I still feel like a, a connection to him, even though I feel like maybe I don't have any business to. Oh, no, he's still your you father. Know, I guess. My DNA is like that. You know, I'm... I'm his blood son or whatever, but it's weird that I, I, that's the only thing I ever felt spiritual about or superstitious about was that, you know, I should sometimes go to his grave and talk to him. And I do. It's weird. Weird. <laughs> Does he give you any good He gives me material? the best advice. <laughs> any good material? He doesn't, he doesn't give me a hard time. No. Yeah, it doesn't talk back much.
That was a that was a crazy time for you, Daryl. Yeah, fun. It was fun the whole time. <laughs> Man, um, what did you? How did you handle it? You just didn't say a lot. You just yeah. were there he for. Just hugged me. <laughs> Man, that'd be brutal because that was crying my shoulder. Yeah, but it was really only like a couple of year window, right? What? Just this whole thing that happened with Dad toward the end and. So what was it like after? Well, what was I going to... Um, <coughs> after he died, like, I don't know, you kind of feel lost for a bit. But, you know, then I told you already about you starting school. That was right after <laughs> Dad died. Like, that was awful. And, <laughs> and I remember I had bully, but, bully neighbors who choked me with a skipping rope. And Grant, our Grampy Patterson was so angry. Norman Patterson ran after these kids, ran up the street. I don't know what age he would have been then. Would he have been in his 70s or his 80s? Oh, no. He's no. Still, he's still working then. Yeah, he would have been still working. 60s. 60s? Yeah. Let me tell you, I, I thought he was too old to run that fast, but he was not. He could run. He spanked the kid, didn't he? Yeah, he got a hold of him and started spanking him. Well, so did you not? Did you ever hear what happened? The mother mm -hmm. called him. Did you hear that? Now wait, how old were we then, the kids? Like we were too old to be spanked. I was, I was, um, I was married already, so that was after. So you had to have been seven anyway. Wow. Anyway, but yeah, I, grabbed the kids, spanked them, and I I didn't hear this part. The mother said, "Well, it's kind of too bad people don't still do that." I mean, I know you can't do that <laughs> stuff, but but people maybe would behave better. They never <laughs> choked me after that. But uh, anyway, the mother called Grampy and threatened him, and said, "Don't if you ever lay a hand on my kid again, then you know you I'll see you. I'll be calling the police, and I will see you in court." Or, I'll charge you with assault. These days, or, they would just call the police, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, some old man beating your kid. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> in you the probably streets. call the cops too. <laughs> Literally beating their because child in the street. I mean, because that woman wouldn't know why. No, no, not the whole story. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they were bullies too, man. I remember one time I befriended the youngest brother, and there were three brothers, and the youngest brother and I, we were the same age. Scott, and then there was Andrew, and I can't remember the third, Greg. Scott, Andrew, and Greg, and I was friends with Scott. Andrew and Greg were the older brothers. And they would do things to us like, why don't you go up in the treehouse, guys? And we'd get up in the treehouse because we were like, okay. And they're, then they take they're older and cool. And then they, yeah, they'd take the ladder away, and then they'd pelt the the um, treehouse with crab apples. And, I mean, just they were so mean to us. You so had such mean. a hard, a hard childhood really yeah because adulthood for me is just going it's just a, a wonderful breeze <laughs> i'm like what am i on a beach it's so wonderful <laughs> well but i'm I, I think i've developed a sense of humor about it and i we did try to get you up here quite a bit and 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 we introduced you to paul so that you would have someone close to your age when you were up here it was awesome that kid seemed to just have all the n latest Nintendo stuff, and he had his own treehouse, I think. And they did have a treehouse. There was just things I remember. It was like, wow. 
Yeah, do you remember Can childhood the time be of, like this? This is awesome. Did you do you remember the time that I I uh, was working nights and I came and you and Paul, I think you, he Paul spent the night here with you and Daryl would have been here and then I came home and I was sleeping. Well, so you guys would have been probably what, 14 or something like that, old enough that you should have been able to be trusted to watch movies or Right. Whatever, right? Oh, yeah. I hear you down here whispering about matches. <laughs> and I thought you were going out to smoke in the woods. No, that was the following year. <laughs> and and you told me you were going to start a fire. Well, it was like there was a... What do you call it, Daryl? Fire ban. There was a fire ban on the woods. It was so dry you would have burned the whole place down. <laughs> Oh my God! I went one up one side, you guys, and down the other. I remember you thinking I was smoking, and it wasn't until I was fifteen that I started smoking. Fool! <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was the only thing Alan was right about. You know, well, no, that's not true. It's not right. It's not right to say that, but it it was like one thing that I remember. Now, as an adult, I kind of agree with him. He was like, uh, he just looked at me, and I had a cigarette sticking out of my mouth, and he said, "Oh, you're." stupid you know but he added the f word in there mm. you know but and i was like uh, oh that was the only thing he said about it i was really surprised that he didn't you know cuff me on the side of the head or anything he just said i was stupid and moved on with his day mom was uh oh i knew that you were you know that kind of thing but it was like probably about a year before they caught on that i was smoking well one time um my friend janice and i we were in the in the rendezvous, it was called restaurant. I think it's the Omega now up there in Minto. And we were sitting there and we had just been back then. You could smoke anywhere, right? Yeah. So we were, had just had our fries and gravy or whatever. And I just put out my cigarette, had, still had the smoke in my mouth. And my father walked in the restaurant to get a pick, takeout order for him and mom. And he looked at me and he come over and he, he went, and I'm still holding my breath, trying to hold this smoke in, right? He's like, you fellas shouldn't be smoking like that. And I went, I <laughs> <laughs> blew the smoke out. <laughs> anyway, when I went home that night, he go, he said, he waited till mom was nowhere to be seen. And he looked at me and he went, Brenda, please, please don't smoke. And he knew, right? Because he knew what it was doing to him. He knew it was killing him. Wow. Now, you mentioned like maybe he had COP or, you know, was there any evidence of cancer like in the autopsy or anything like that? Well, I asked mom about that recently and she said no, but she told me at the time when they got the results back that like he had prostate cancer. But she told me that he had spots on his lungs, too, at the time. Do you remember me telling you that? But but then she denied it later, and I never, ever saw the report myself, so I have no idea. My sister, Brenda Charlton, that was a great talk. My sister is one of those people that have always been there in my life, has always been my rock. And it's nice to have a permanent fixture in your life when so many things change around you. The one thing that didn't change 
was the great relationship I've had with my sister. I've been very blessed, and I consider myself uh, very lucky to have a great sister like Brenda. And I can't wait for you to meet my other sister, Wendy. And uh, I love my sisters. And it was hard to watch my sister cry when we were talking about dad. But it was a beautiful moment to share with her and one that we bonded over. And it was, uh, I was really glad I got to share that with you on the podcast. And my sister's hilarious. I get my sense of humor from her. I know I do. And uh, I just, just love talking to her. So it was just such a great opportunity for me. And uh, as you heard in the podcast, I grew up around my sister. She took care of me a lot. And in honor of my sister, I would like to play a song. Because one of the things that my sister used to, one of the places my sister used to take me was the lake. Uh, with her husband, Daryl, they would take me out to uh, South Ormocto Lake. And I would go swimming and catching tadpoles. And I loved that. And when we would drive to the lake, she would like stop and get me an ice cream or a popsicle or give me a bag of penny candies or something. And she would pop in Huey Lewis or Whitney Houston or, you know, um, the music of the day, you know, maybe the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack or whatever. Whatever music they were listening to back then, we would listen to the radio and hear different tunes. Ah, man. And just remember driving down the road in the summer, heading to the lake with my sister Brenda. It's one of the great memories of childhood that I have. And Brenda is the reason that um, my childhood was good because of... uh, The fact that my big sister took care of me. I love my sister. Thank you, Brenda. This song is uh, dedicated to you. It's called Home by Philip Phillips. I'll talk to you guys next Friday. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home Settle down, it'll all be clear Don't pay no mind to the demons, they fill you with fear The trouble in my drag you down No, you're not alone
There's not too many people like you guys. <laughs> that makes I, maybe that's a good thing for the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs>